Yeah. Oh, listen to us just rambling at the start, just, you know, <laughs> so professional. So, hello. We have a special guest with us today. and But first I'm going to say hello to Meg. We, uh, surprise, surprise, we spent the whole day together. So yes, but now we're not in the same program. We are not. We are not. So um, we're, we're recording in the evening. So uh, how do we start? Like, What's the best thing? You ate this week, Meg? Um, best thing I ate this week would have been, oh, I think it might be almost the same as I did last week, which was I made those lamb pita things. Oh, her, um, for our special guest, who we will introduce in a minute, um, you make like a lamb cocktail. So lamb meat, a bunch of different spices, um, a grated onion and garlic, delicious. Um, and then you smush it inside a pita bread and then pan, spray it with oil and pan fry. Um, and so as you cook it, the juices kind of go into the bread, but the bread gets crispy. And then you just have it with like a whipped tahini yogurt and a tomato and parsley salad. But I did do that last time. So it's probably what I had last night, which was a chicken, um, a Korean chicken, a Marion Grasby. I've moved away. For recipe tip, one night, just for one night. One um, night only. A beautiful Korean barbecue chicken with that, I can't pronounce that, gold chunk, gold, um, massacring that. It's like a chili, a Korean chili paste that I love. Um, and it's in that, and it was delicious. So that Amazing. Was- what that about you? Fantastic. What did, um, do you know what? I reckon today's lunch. Oh, chicken salad roll. Chicken salad roll. It was really was, it, you know what? It's the pickled onion. Pickled yeah. Onion, just red, red onion. Red, yeah, I know. It was great. It was great. Fantastic. Just, and, uh, and welcoming our guest, CJ, before we actually get into your whole bio. Yeah. What's the best thing you ate this week? Oh, well, it's interesting. The best thing I ate this week, because after our little pre-conversation before we started recording, <laughs> I had a cattleman's cut steak <gasps> from my favourite butcher. My partner went and got us each a steak. Um, every second weekend we have no kids in the house. Oh, and yeah. so when we don't have kids, <laughs> we sit down and have a cattleman's cut each. And so- this one was so big that we actually both struggled to finish it. Oh. Which, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they were they were smaller than the ones you were showing. <laughs> we were quite far up, but yeah, we were chatting before um and got talking about steaks. And today I went and bought the meat for a, a Christmas party that I'm hosting. Um, and we'll put a photo up. I just got, and I called them in advance and ordered these um, tomahawk steaks in. They're awesome. And they are one huge. <laughs> I they think are I awesome. Two of them for 12 people and save one for another time. <laughs> They're so good. I can't wait. It's like, how do you cook your cattleman? Well, we, we sear them and then we put them in the oven for a little while. Um, nice. But we have to be very careful because I am very much a, not rare, I don't I don't eat mistakes. Oh, I like it rare. <laughs> I say so I like it. It's got to be pink. It's really yeah. got to be pink in the middle. I can't do the brown. I can't even do the off pink. No, I'm definitely rare. Where we gradually moved towards more rare steak. Like I used to have yeah. it medium rare. Yes. And then we went and stayed with some friends in Melbourne years and years ago. And they we went to the markets in the morning. They bought some beautiful steak, and they did this coriander salsa. Oh, um, the marinated steak and oh. so good. And they served it to us like way more rare than I have ever eaten steak before. But I trusted their cooking. Like, Good I, on you. I, I like their foodies, and I was like, I'm gonna go with this. Yeah. I'm gonna do. Yeah, I'm gonna be polite. I'm staying at someone else's house, um, and we've never looked back. And yes. very. I always like, laugh about it when people look at how I have my steak because I, like I say, not blue, but you know, a yeah. little bit more than blue. But um, yeah. but people sometimes look and go, and even my partner when we first lived together, he was like. Uh, no, I like mine a little bit more oh, well done. And I'm like, well, this is a good steak. You try it like this. A good steak, yeah. you don't need to overcook. So we do reverse sear so you know that the yeah. middle has got to that beautiful warm. There's no, I don't want yeah. cold in the middle. Like it's got to be oh. warm. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the juice is all sort we, of. I trialed that the other, oh, probably a month ago now. I trialed the reverse yeah. one where I put it in the oven and then brought down. Yeah, oven first and I, rest. I actually think I'll probably go back to that because it did work better. Yeah. I felt thought it cooked it better yeah I think there it's just easier to know where you're at yeah we could talk yes. about that um, oh no and I think do you, I'm you, do you have anything with your pattern cut um actually I 
didn't because it was so big. <laughs> just the meat. <laughs> we looked at we almost did just some steamed veggies and yeah. then I went, you know, that's so big. Oh. And, and I know that sounds terrible. People probably think, oh, my God, you could eat something with a steak. But this steak was very much on its own, was an entire meal. <laughs> yeah. My husband and I went out for our wedding anniversary 2020, just before lockdown. And we went to this beautiful restaurant and we got this giant Wagyu, like really heavily yeah. marked. So it had sides and it had like we'd ordered some veggies and some potatoes. Yeah. And yes. It was so rich and we didn't want to waste it because it was like the main no. event. It, yeah prioritize the meat and it was like I can't, I can't <laughs> and you get to the potatoes and the veggies and you just look and go I'm sorry you're I'm really full you're out <laughs> my oh, um I actually understand that <laughs> my sister-in-law there's a like family sort of legend like so um she is I think her dad was Greek and her mum was Brazilian and oh. her mum had this like you know, if you ever went to any of those like buffet restaurants, you just do not waste your time on the too much real estate. They are cheap. They're cheap. <laughs> you go for the meat. Go for the meat <laughs> and the seafood. Meat and seafood That's right. if you're at one of those just, things. <laughs> like, I'm, why would you I'm with her mum. <laughs> <laughs> so we should introduce you. Actually, we should let you introduce yes. yourself. Um when I did put this meeting together, I'm not sure if you noticed that the name of this meeting was called Chicken Lady Podcast. <laughs> and that's me. I am the so chicken lady. So you are known as Chicken Lady, which is a big part of why we got you on because I'm a chicken mum um, yep. and have some stories and I was, that's part of why I, we get you on. I've um, actually listened to one of your podcasts where you had a little incident with some dogs. We did. <laughs> we did. There's an update. Um, but please introduce yourself. Um, who are you and what do you do? So I'm CJ Steedman. I live on a farm in the Southern Tablelands, uh, just outside of Yass and Canberra. And um, I'm on 120 acres. And even though I have a day job, I'm also a farmer, which is not necessarily a typical occupation for most women. Uh, but I was raised by two very alternative lifestyle parents. Um, and at the age of 13, they dragged me from the northern beaches of Sydney to the Hunter Valley. And the next thing I knew, I was milking cows and feeding chickens <laughs> and holding a pig's hoof while it had trotter while it had its little piglets because she didn't want to have her piglets on her own. Wow. And I Aww. fell in love with farming. I absolutely fell in love with it. And even though I travelled a lot, I, I had my kids very late in life, so I travelled a lot and worked a lot overseas. And I always knew that I would come back to property. Mm. And it's taken me a few years. I was a single mum briefly for a while there. So financially it was always that kind of battle of, buying and selling houses to try and improve oh. the asset base until I got to the point where um, I have a partner now who did, you know, help me along with uh, with moving onto the farm. So we moved onto a farm and it's 120 acres of just beautiful undulating hillside with lots oh. of dams, oh. close enough to town but not, you know, too far away. And we decided to try our hand at chicken farming yeah. uh, because I have a pretty good base background knowledge of chickens so we have egg production we have pastured egg production um, so our chickens don't live in a barn at all they have a, a mobile tractor uh, that moves around the paddock with them with electric fence and oh. they have access to the paddock 24 7 so they choose when they go out they choose when they come in we don't restrict their access to pasture you don't have um, to go and, out in the rain and the cold and the dark and close the little door at night. Like no, I, no, they, I, ha they have a, they have a little a little trap door. But we have um we have a Merima dog, which is a livestock guardian dog. Ah, beautiful, yeah. The paddock with them, yeah. She's nice. Luna. Luna is our just. We could not live without her. She is awesome. Yeah. They're um, enormous, aren't they? She's a big girl. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's about 50 kilos and she stands yeah. as tall as my partner who's about 6'1 so she oh she and she's that one oh, yeah, wow. she can put a pause up on his shoulder yeah, and she can yeah, yeah. Eye, so. yeah. we were away on the south coast uh a little while ago down uh, down in Naruma and there's a Sydney celebrity who has property down there <laughs> and the property next door has two of those dogs uh, and from the beach you can just see them just lying on the grass but you look at them <laughs> and you're like 
and oh, they can't be right. They just they look too big to be real. They are. They're huge. Amazing. <laughs> we, beautiful. I beautiful. joke and call her the polar bear because when she's yes. laying outside, um, she's they're double coated, so that's why they can handle living out in the yeah. paddock with the animals. So mm-hmm. you don't shave them. You we do coma, but. Um, you know, we only coma to keep burrs and things, grass yeah. burrs and seeds out. Is that a bit but, like huskies? That's like yes. a bit of a thermal sort of insulation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've we've had snow here, and when we've had the snow, she goes out and lays in the snow. Oh wow! <laughs> and we, we're standing out there going, Luna, darling, you've got a dog box. We've got a dog box in the paddock for us, so she can go into shelter if she needs it. And she just looks at you like. You're crazy. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I'm perfectly fine out here in the snow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So our chickens, uh, We so we raise eggs, uh, but we've also just in the last 12 months gone into raising meat birds as well. So we dispatch our own meat birds um, here on the farm. And um, at the moment, it's only been for our personal use and for friends. Um, There are some regulations in... New South Wales is New yeah. South Wales is actually pretty good compared to Victoria. Victoria can be quite strict, mm-hmm. uh, but in New South Wales, it is a little bit. There's a few regulations we have to jump through with some of the produce that we are looking to sell. Right. Uh, so I have milking goats as well, so we consume raw milk. Uh, yeah. which raw goats milk is legal in Australia, but raw cows milk is not elite, yeah. not legal. Um, we've got a cow that's just about ready to be in calf, and so we'll have cow's milk next year. Oh. Uh, but I also make cheese and things like that. So. Oh, my goodness. That's yeah. the best. And my, you... um, my husband's from, like, his grandfather, um, I think, that was on farming but then lost the farm through financial yep. stuff in yeah. worked on farms. And my husband went to agricultural high school. So he definitely has this little bit of him that would <laughs> still love to sort of do the homestead, do the farm thing. But. And that's and look, that's part of what I've started doing is so mm-hmm. many people have approached me um, because I have a lot of customers that I sell eggs to. A mm-hmm. lot of people have approached me and said, gee, I'd, I'd actually love to raise my own chickens or I'd love mm-hmm. to have a milking goat. Or, and I, I sit back and go, you know, you can. It's actually yeah. not that hard. Yeah, and it's not because I've got, as you, I think you might know, I've got three, yeah. little, three little chickens in my backyard, yeah. which made a lot more sense in the Hunter Valley, which is where we lived when we got them, where yeah. and it just took a couple of friends having them for me yes. and then go, no, you'd love it. It'll be fine. Yeah. Like, it's actually so easy. And, like, as soon as I was like, I was like, okay, and we have loved it apart from our um, incidents. But we have the toughest <laughs> chickens in the world. Like we are now inundated with eggs again because all three of them yep. are laying again. Like Greg is laying every day. Um, yep. she, I think she's actually back at the top of the pecking order. So yep. she, when she was injured, she was getting a bit attacked. So we had to isolate uh, her, put her back in about a week ago. Um, she's she had her, a therapy wing. I think so. I did. I had the I had the the wing rehab wing of the, <laughs> the, oh. the touch that I put adjacent, so she could still talk to them through the fence. Yeah, that's perfect. That's um, ideal. And I put her back in about a week ago, and then literally yesterday I gave them some scraps, and it was a mixture. So some just boring stuff like some leaves and whatever. There was some cheese. Yeah. Um, and she went. Someone else put cheese. <laughs> she went straight for it, <laughs> and they didn't come for it. Wasn't aware a week before they would have. Tried to get the cheese. Yeah, back. tried to get off She was definitely top, was definitely top oh. of the order, which is why I think she got the most attacked. I think she was doing the protection thing. We we have nearly fifty of forty. I think we're sitting at about forty five at the moment. Oh, wow. And, um, Agnes, who is our oldest, um, she's our Aracana, so she lays blue eggs. Oh, cool. Um, and she is a tiny little black bird. She really isn't very big on the scheme of chickens but she is absolutely the grand matriarch and nobody messes with her. She sits <laughs> on the top rung in the – so we've got a mobile tractor that they have a door that they can get in and out of and there's perches in there and egg boxes off to the side of the tractor. And she sits on the top rung between the two roosters. We have two roosters, <laughs> guard roosters. And she plonks herself on that top rung every night and nobody, nobody will dislodge her. She is – and yet she's not the biggest one. She's probably not the most aggressive either, but she just she's just got an the aura. <laughs> I, love, I just love watching them. I just love their little the, the way they interact. Um, yeah, it's so funny. So and yeah. that's, I, 
I think that's what I've been trying to get with people um, when they say to me, oh, I don't know whether I can have chickens in the backyard. And I say, well, apart from the obvious benefit of having fresh eggs, which mm. I think is a huge benefit, particularly yeah, after we've... I haven't bought eggs in three years. Yeah, and after going through COVID, um, oh. I can remember people coming to me during COVID and I was selling out of eggs. Right. And they, they were coming to me going, oh, I heard you sell eggs. I can't get any eggs in the shop. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I've, I have my customers and I've already... Yes. But they've, they've all got standing orders and I'm, I just can't make enough eggs. And there's um, nothing like... Not shopping and air like you don't need any vinegar, you don't need any nonsense, like the freshest. They just hold together so much better at poaching, but they um the colour is what I think is close to my customers. They look and they just go, Why is it so yellow? Why is it such a bright colour? And I'm like, sorts of weird stuff in the paddock. (laughs) (laughs) And because people often say to me too, Oh, are your chickens vegetarian? Which oh, I was then, listening uh, to your podcast <laughs> where you were saying nope. they will catch mice. Yeah. That blew my mind. Yeah, I'm no, amazed. They are. They are. They, they're the closest descendant to a dinosaur <laughs> and um, and it's legit. They they I've seen them fight over a mouse in the paddock. Over but they're just so lovely to, to have. Like it's a bit more difficult where we are now because just our mouse yeah. is smoky, <laughs> um, and also lack of fence because our fence yes. problem. Um, but we still, and they're just so silly. Like we'll be sitting in the backyard, just <laughs> being, just chatting on a Friday night, and they'll come up and they like we'll look at a mole on your leg, and then they'll think it's a bug, and they just keep on. And they go to peck it. <laughs> this same spot on your leg. Like, have you not learned yet? It's not a bug. It's just my leg, and they just peck, peck, peck. We so have funny. we have one that won't live in the yard with the rest of them. So Agnes, who is our matriarch, um, she we hatched. I, I went through a phase where I was incubating my own eggs and hatching my own. I now find it's easier just to go to the hatcheries. But um, I hatched out um, some Americanas and ended up with this beautiful two black girls out of one of the batches. And one of them is very tame, like more tame than any chicken I've ever met before. She refuses to sleep in the yard with the others. She refuses to go into the shed. Um, her, her, her nickname is Goat Chicken because she lives in the goat house with my milking oh, wow. goats. And my partner oh, and funny. her have this really special bond where he walks out of the morning and she is off her perch and beside his leg and she walks alongside of him, buck, 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 the whole way, <laughs> telling him all the things that she thinks he needs to know. And, of course, he he talks to her and picks her up and carries her and she just she thinks yeah. she's the most amazing chicken ever, you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, well, my I goodness. was forced to become a bit more cuddly with chickens when I had to bath a chicken to oh. clean out the wound. Yes. Um, we got fly strike in the wound, so then we had oh. to get it. Yeah. Bathing and then blow dry the chicken, and she fell yes. asleep while I was blow drying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Good like now. <laughs> people don't realize how friendly they can be, but they can, and and certainly there's certain breeds um, that are much more friendly than we've got three eyes of browns. So yeah, and that we've got a lot of eyes of browns because we're doing egg production. Yeah, but we um we're moving into a breed. I've got found a, a breeder. My shearer actually incubates eggs. And I'm moving into the gold-laced windots, which are just a gorgeous bird. They're like a golden, their feathers kind of golden on the inside and black around the edge. Oh, so they've got like a lace trim yeah. around the edge of each of their feathers. Um, and they're gorgeous birds, but they're meat birds and egg birds, but they're oh, heritage oh. birds, not Isa Browns. They're not the sex-linked chickens. So yeah, sure. they won't but- produce as many eggs. They'll be bigger eggs. But they're um they're the kind of birds that I might be able to also sell. I'm looking to get to a point where I can start saying to people when they say, "Oh, I want to go into chickens," oh, I can say, right. "Oh, yeah. here, let me sell you three lay chickens." Here's your starter pack. Yeah, <laughs> I was joking, so I was going to start a business called Rent a Coop, where you could just rent the coop and three chickens and a bag of feed. Give it a go. Get started in your backyard and see how you go with it. Yeah, rent try buy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So funny. So we bought ours from this lovely little website, Farmer Jess, I think it was, and it was all super yeah. beautiful and lovely. And um, and she was great, actually. She was really helpful. <laughs> but I remember watching our show. I saw her, like, arrive, and I was so excited. The chickens are getting delivered. And she's just so comfortable, just grabbing them out by their legs, throwing <laughs> a box on <laughs> <laughs> it was like this beautiful I'm gonna cattle the chickens and like grab them, grab them, throw in a box like it's farming it's still 
I laugh. One of my, I've got a customer who um, is an older gentleman who comes to me for chicken advice on a fairly regular basis. And he's um, just become vegan or vegetarian. He might be vegetarian. So he's, no, vegetarian. So he's eating the eggs. But I said to him, I jokingly said to him, well, you can always eat the chickens as well. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We've decided to go vegetarian. And then he said, and I thought the chickens would go vegetarian, but I, I saw mm. them I saw them eating some things they probably shouldn't have. And I said, you're not going to change their nature. That's just no, the way gonna, they are. They're going to chase the worms. They're gonna... Well, yeah, he's gone to yeah. the point now where he had a sick chook for a while and she was actually pining. He was away on holidays and the chook was actually pining for him because he's so friendly with this chook. Aww. And I said to him, he was overseas messaging me from overseas going, I don't know what to do. The neighbours that are looking after my chickens, they're saying that she's pining, she won't eat. And I said, <laughs> she, she's pining for you. She's, Face you know, this literally, literally he was giving me videos. He was sending me videos of what she was doing. And I said, there's nothing wrong with her. She's, she's not egg bound. She's not, there's nothing wrong. She's having a strop. Yeah, and she, he got back, <laughs> and guess what? Ten days later, she started eating. She's back up on the perch, mm-hmm. and he's feeding her tins of tuna, um, <laughs> like hand-feeding her tins of tuna. Oh, so no wonder she was pining for you. I would have pined for you too if you're going to come home and feed, hand-feed me tuna. <laughs> oh, they are so delightful. They're oh. really fun. But, yeah, so, I, when- so I, a lot of what I do is about trying to encourage people to eat, like think about those um getting their food from the source. You know, I I honestly think everybody should have a couple of chickens in their backyard, Um, not just for the eggs. I think people could do it for the meat too. And I know a lot of people would struggle to get their head around the concept of of dispatching their own chickens. Um, But I think there's also a lot of people out there who, who would be okay with it. I thought you were like nothing. I thought I was never going to be like when we saw it, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like this is bad for poor little egg. And so we were looking at like, how do you humanely return a chicken? And luckily, we've got, I guess, some friends who have sort of either got farming backgrounds or have sort of actually a friend who's a chef who's like, I've actually done that. Um, And uh, so we, because I thought, oh, I'm not sure I could do it. But then I think. If you, if it's aligned with what you actually think, what are your values around food? Yes. And yeah. if you sort of have gotten to the point of going, you know what, I think it's okay for humane to eat. Yeah, yeah. Treated. Um, yeah. Even went with the wound because her wound, it looks like chicken, right? Like a well, chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, and so I did have a bit of a wobble about, oh, do I want to eat chicken anymore? And that's so, you genuinely have thought through philosophically what you believe about consumption of yeah. animals it comes down to humane treatment. Yes. So, and I think I think a lot of people like as more and more documentaries and things like that come out when people see how factory raised chickens are hmm. raised, I think that and and certainly cage eggs. I mean, look at cage eggs. We went through a phase where you couldn't buy anything but a cage egg in Australia, hmm. and now yeah. we've all opened our eyes to it and gone. That's not the best way for a chicken to be raised. It, you know, yes, it's a commodity. Yes, we are farming it, but it's far better to farm. And people don't think of farmers as really caring about their animals, but mm. their animals are their assets. Yeah. So yeah. you have to really care about them. You have to get the best out of them. And if you've got animals like my chickens out in the paddock, you know, free ranging in that really true sense of the word, free ranging, not not living in a barn where they've got like a meter of sunlight. Mm. Yeah. Um, the egg quality that you get is so much better, but you also have a happier, longer living chicken. Mm. And that's and I think consumers have got smart. They've got to the yeah. point where they go, no, you know what? I don't want the cage egg. I don't want the factory farm chicken. I don't want the, um, uh, what do they call them, the feedlot cattle, like yeah. grass-fed cattle. Yeah. yeah, that kind of process has started where people are going, you know what? I, I don't mind if spending I can afford it. it I'm yeah. going to prioritise. Yes. Yeah. Those values over perhaps, you know, access feed same, like yeah. same as organic yeah. veggies. I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, we would certainly probably were all raised eating whatever veggies were cheapest at the shop, yeah. you know. Um, and that's just what our parents did. They didn't know that, oh, that's been sprayed with Roundup. We probably shouldn't be eating that. They couldn't even get like it. Yeah. I'm just thinking like. Yeah, there wouldn't, like, been, there wouldn't have no, been organic. There was no organic section in the supermarket, yeah. or the, probably not even like the fruit and veggie shop, even before there no. were the really big supermarkets. Yeah. Like, you know, that sort of real early 80s. Yeah. 
But that's now, now you go into a shop and it's like you have this whole section that's organic. Yeah. Yeah. You go, you know what? I I really, I like the look of it. It smells better. It looks better. And, and also too, I mean, we went through a phase there where we all had to have perfect fruit and vegetable. And then we realized that the perfect fruit and vegetable was being sprayed with all these things to make it look perfect. And just the waste. Contributing to massive waste. Big waste. I think the waste is a big thing for me. So I found ugly zucchinis yeah so i get a box every um only fortnight because it's huge um from this place called funky food um and it's otherwise would be food waste and it's quite cheap but the quality is great well they're a bit weird looking and the apples are either giant or small but it doesn't matter but you don't care and the odd odd bunch and all things like that that if you want to um i think i think consumers of food have gotten to the point where they have educated themselves enough so that they know what works for them and they know what they like hmm. and they don't want to settle. They don't want to settle for, you know, it's like when you go, yeah, and we've all done it. You go and eat at Macca's on a road trip yep. and and right. afterwards you think, God, that tasted like crap. I, <laughs> I really wish I hadn't eaten that. The momentary I, I fabulousness is then you're yeah. like, the, the quick, <laughs> The quick, the cheap, we've, we've all fed, we've all done what we well, had to do. And I think we've got to be able to attend to those values and have the flexibility to attend yeah. to it. You know what? That's the priority right now. The convenience to, cost, the, I've yeah. got to eat, that's the priority. It. It's, safe, it's fine. But when you can when you can get to a house location where you go, you know what, I want to make a really Maybe nice I'll just salad. Out and, the- I'm, <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, cook some steaks on the barbecue and make a really nice salad and I'm going to sit down and eat some, some fruit for dessert afterwards that I can yeah. cut up and peel myself, you know. Yeah. And I think the more people that I guess have, I guess, the level of privilege like sort of financially ability-wise, yes. skills-wise. And I it probably start to make it more accessible broadly because yeah. it says there's like a market for it. Yeah, that's All right. right. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there's probably, for me, like I've noticed like a shift in, you know when people used to talk about a restaurant, um, I don't know, maybe this is just me growing up like, out in the western suburbs, but the mark of a good restaurant was that there was a lot of food. It was big serve. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, I think that was a real like 80s, 90s thing. And I, yes. it's something I just not even really sort of think about it, but just now, probably something I haven't heard for a really long time. No. Yes, you can yes. do character play yep. or low food Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. least you can do yeah. with quality ingredients. Certainly. Yep. So in the area where I'm here, where we have a lot of wineries around us in the Murray Bateman area, and um, the the wineries here try and stock all their food because they they all have food yeah. they serve they try and stock all their food from local farms nice yeah, and cool. you go in there and it's literally this wine is paired with this steak from this yeah. farm which is 10 k's yeah. down the road you know and and we've got you know our vegetables from this farm which is 5 k's further up the road and you sit down and you're thinking oh my god the food and drink that i'm eating is no more than a 20 or 30 kilometer food That's radius lovely isn't it it's yeah. awesome yeah. When you were growing up with that proximity to sort of farming and animals, was it the sort of interaction with animals that sort of, and and, yeah. and land? But not necessarily. I wonder if it was sort of the food production was part of it when you were when it, you were that at, young person or that it certainly was. Later. And and I I went through a phase. I think what every teenage girl probably went through, where I went, that's it. I'm going vegetarian. No. <laughs> and and it probably came around the time that we dispatched, you know, 10 chickens for mm-hmm. the first time and I had to help with that. And and as a 13-year-old moving from Sydney, and we were northern beaches, so Monaval area, northern beaches, and, <laughs> and it's a beautiful area, but there was, you know, we had tomato and zucchini. I had horses, so we had tomato and zucchini uh, farms in front of the horse paddocks and things like that. But I'd never known anybody that had dispatched their own animals. Oh, um, right. We, we'd had the farm for a little while. Mum and Dad had bought it um, you know, a few years earlier from an inheritance. And we'd been up there and I'd seen people go out shooting for rabbits and things like that. And so we'd had rabbits, but I always thought of it as far as, you know, a kangaroo or a rabbit, you know, not a chicken or a cow. We'd be interacting with them every day. Yeah. When you're feeding them every day, the idea of them dispatching them was a little bit off-putting for me. So I think I lasted in my vegetarian streak about a week (laughs) and then went, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm clearly a meat eater. I I like my food. 
I, yeah. I've always liked my food, so I yeah. So I went back to eating meat. But then we also find other ways to attend to those values, right? Like if I yes. were we're working with a lot of people with eating disorders, and some people do have vegetarian. It's yeah. not eating disorder. It is a really strongly held sort of yes. pre ethical belief. But through the recovery, yeah. sometimes we actually need to shift, like I guess, sort of pause. Yep. <laughs> Get the nourishment in find other ways to attend to those yes. values and then wait, later on we can maybe circle back to it. Um, and yeah. it often is in, okay, well, eggs from someone whose backyard it is. I'm happy yes. with that. Or, you know, yeah. milk from this small dairy, like uh, in the Hunter, yeah. I was in the Hunter Valley. So Eth- things ethically where sourced meat and eth- like well, ethically sourced animal products. I mm. I can't imagine now um, because we even buy our beef from a butcher who sources ethically locally. So because we don't have beef cattle yet, we're just just stocking up on that now. So I have oh, goats wow. that so we eat goat meat. Um, mm. We drink goat's milk, and we obviously have goat's cheese that we produce here on the farm. And I said to one of the girls at work said to me one day, um, I don't know how you can eat an animal that you raise yourself and I said but the thing is that I know that it's lived its absolute best life Mm. it has been a goat that I I don't eat them young I I have an issue with um and and there's a couple of people that I in circles that I mix in who advocate not eating younger animals as well so even even our roosters we'll wait a year with our roosters before we dispatch them um, the meat does taste better. I have to say that it's it is a taste factor in a lot of cases. Um, certainly with um, cows, beef cattle, aged beef cattle, the meat definitely tastes different and tastes better to me. But also too, I think well, it's left its life. Yeah, it's been out. It's been done. I, I think there's a guy that I read a lot of books. <laughs> Well, there's a there's a guy over in the states who I can't wait. I'm saving up at the moment oh. to go over and visit him in the farm. Joel Salatin. Oh, my goodness. I knew you uh, were going to say him. I love uh, Joel Salatin. He just, and and can I just say, I'm not at all religious. So he's very religious. So a lot of his aspects are based around, you know, saying thank you to the animal before you dispatch it, that kind of thing. And I do do that, but I thank them more from the perspective of you're providing me with nourishment and you're providing me with the most nutrient-dense food that you can provide me with. So I appreciate that, you know, from a natural perspective, I appreciate that. But he amazing connection to food. Yes. And and it tastes to me the taste, like certainly the first time we dispatched one of our own chickens and I'd left it till it was six months old and we trialled it at six months the first time. And the second lot we trialled a lot later. Uh, But I've dished it up to the kids. I cooked up a baked chook, dished it up to the kids. We sat down and started eating and I didn't know how they were going to respond because mm. I have dished them up things before that we've dispatched here, but I haven't always told them <laughs> what I'm what I'm dishing them up. And my kids are 11 and 13 and they 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 knew we were dispatching. Um, my son actually takes an active role in helping um, mm. with the, the preparation, not with the dispatching, but with the preparation. My daughter has taken an active role, but she's, she, she's not as fond of it. So I don't push mm. that point with her. Uh, but they sat down and ate it. <laughs> And they both looked at me and went, wow, wow, that's what homegrown chicken tastes like? That tastes so much better than than anything we've ever tasted. So, yeah, they and I I don't know whether them knowing that it was one of our chickens had an impact on that. Um, And tasting. Yeah, they they and and my partner said the same. It was the first time he'd eaten a a dispatched animal that he knew he'd dispatched because he does the dispatch for me. I can do it, but he wanted to take a role, an active role in it, and and I, he's terrible at disassembling. <laughs> I'm much right. better at the disassembling. Right. So. Well, it's interesting. Um, I remember watching. It must have been a, probably one of the River Cottage. The Hugh, yeah. his name is Only one thing where yeah. he actually did a side by side blind tasting for people, and expecting yes. that people were going to love his home reared, more brown meat, much more depth of flavour, and yet people were like, oh, it's too chickeny. <laughs> <laughs> they've been so trained that chicken actually doesn't have much of a flavor and you've really got to put load it up with other flavors for it to be delicious oh my god um, so true yeah that they were so like true. Oh, gamey or to be like yeah they didn't really like it and he was just like oh he was a bit so deflated, I think. there's a farm there's a farm down near albury wodonga uh, called mm. walkai farms and he is actually a butcher as well as a farmer and he's the one that raises the the really aged beef. So he gets old dairy, old dairy cattle. 
And because they've got so many hormones and antibiotics and things through their body, he actually rests them on the paddock for two years. He dispatches them to give them a chance to completely dissipate all that, everything that's been put into their system. Yeah, and I didn't realise how much they put into them but I mean they have to and and it's the same you would have listened to my podcast probably on the raw milk I'm a big advocate yeah for raw milk. I'm, I'm a big thing but, but that being said on a yeah. large scale when you are feeding the masses you yeah. do sometimes have to take precautions that you know you look at um, afterwards and go well I know it's safe it's yeah. probably not it's not my favorite thing but it's the safest thing to feed thousands and I think it's yeah. like when you're, you know, I guess from your perspective of being sort of like homestead, you're very much like bottom up. You're you're on the bottom level. Yeah. You're, you know exactly yeah. that you've cleaned your hands and that yep. you're, you're. Yeah. I can, if my if my goat's udders aren't a hundred percent, we're not drinking that milk right that away. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but as soon yeah, as yeah. we're looking at you know production for millions of people, you've yeah. got to go top down. They're milking a hundred cows, and it's all done by machine. They're not looking at the other. It's not safe. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you know, you're milking and consuming. Yes. It's like the life the lifespan of it. Oh yes. Milk yes. 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 does not last long in our house. <laughs> uh, but he so he rests them for two years on the paddock and they eat them. But he said his meat, he can only sell it to certain um certain people, which is all restaurateurs that buy mm. his aged beef mm. because they think the meat taste is beautiful and it's perfect for the kind style of cooking that they're doing but uh the average joe cooking at home finds it too beefy yeah right but well, you almost want it like i'll only i'll dry brine these steaks just for a few days like i don't yeah. have it. i can't hang them for forever yeah, yeah, yeah. today like yesterday and yeah. yesterday and today but yes. so they can sit there for yes sit them in the in the fridge uncovered um because you almost want them to get that slight get towards that (laughs) you want the flavors to develop um you know there's nothing like a really really aged steak sometimes I kind of look and think god we really have lost a bit of touch with our food you know certainly like my cheese making that I've been doing Mm -hmm. it's been a real process I am not I've I did very good at chemistry at school, but uh, cheese making is a whole level. level I said level other of... cheese makers. <laughs> oh my goodness, they are! That's a skill unto itself. I, yeah. I take my hat off to them. They're they're mag- magicians. Um, but I've been making mozzarella, yeah, cool. um, and feta and ricotta. Obviously, they're the easy ones. Um, and I've just just got some culture to have a crack at making some cheddar. So we'll oh, see wow. how that goes because that'll be that's a bit more technical. So yeah, <laughs> the only, yeah. only thing I've gotten close to is I've made my own labna, which is basically you just add yeah. salt to yogurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. all you have to well, do. And Sorry. ricotta. I always joke and go ricotta. It's like the easiest cheese in the world to make. It's milk and a bit of vinegar, and ooh, away we go. And that's it. <laughs> um, but it's so like it's, it's just something I've always loved is that making myself if I you know and I enjoy it and a lot of not everyone does enjoy it yeah that's true I stuff it up whatever we'll have another crack so obviously there's a level again of privilege there of being able to play around with these different and it's also the thing I like I say to some of my my customers when they say oh I could never have chickens and I go that's okay that's why people like me are here so that (laughs) you can buy eggs with me anyway but Look, um, when somebody, I was talking to somebody about the dispatch process and they mm-hmm. said, oh, I would really love to raise my own meat birds, but I just could never dispatch. And I said, you know, it's okay to say that's not something you're comfortable doing. It's okay mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to go to the butcher and I'm going to buy my meat from the butcher. When, that's, um, you're not, it's not the end up, of the world. One of my friends, really about it, is Jong and her parents went through a series like they had horses they did dressage and stuff like that but they had cows and they had milk you must have been drinking that sounds a bit funny susan oh has it am i good now a bit better yeah oh, but like i remember her mum like pushing a calf onto the horse float to send it off to the butcher mm, just yeah. crying oh <laughs> and i know yeah. but it would come back package the butcher would keep half they'd get half They'd have a freezer full of. Yeah, meat. we had a mate out of farming in Gilgandra, and he would sort of let us know when he was uh, slaughtering, and then we could just buy buy the kilo. And this was years ago now, so it was ten dollars a kilo. You'd get some mince, some sausages, yeah. some fillet steak, and some yeah. T-bones, and it was just how many kilos do you want? I'll put up a pack um, for you, and it was so. Mm. I mean, it was beautiful meat, and it was so really. You- 
Yeah. My mum and dad, we had, so we had a, a milking cow. They'd got an ex-dairy um, milking cow, uh, Gypsy, who was a Frisian, and um, she was in calf at the time to an Angus. So it was going to be a big calf anyway. But I used to go up and milk of a morning, so I'd go and hand milk. This is at 13, and I'd never milked a cow before in my life. I had to learn. Mum literally sat me down and went, this is how we do it. Now I've got other chores to do. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting there milking and I used to take my black coffee up with me and squirt the milk straight into the coffee uh-huh. and it would make like a cappuccino. So then I'd be sitting there having a cappuccino while I'm milking and I'd get about nine litres every morning of her. But then because she was a Frisian, she had this huge udder and yeah. we would put a potty calf that wasn't her calf onto her after I'd milked. Wow. And we'd let, we'd let the potty calf drink a bit and then she'd go off for the day. We, we I've always done it this way and this is because my parents were alternative lifestylers. They didn't believe in removing the calf or the kids from the animals. So during the day the kid goes with the animal and goes off and drinks milk all day and then at 6 o'clock at night you lock the, the kids away or the calf away and, and the mum stays out grazing in the paddock and you bring her in the next morning to milk again. And that way, that way you've always got those, the kids or the calves on the animal. So we used to do that and we had this beautiful, beautiful big half Angus um, steer that they'd raised off this milking cow. And we, I said to mum, we've got to name him something. She said, we have to name him a meat name because <laughs> I don't want you getting attached. <laughs> so oh. All so right, I, called, I, I called him Meatloaf because I thought, <laughs> oh, well, He was a big, big, fat thing, and I thought, oh, I'll call him Meatloaf. So Meatloaf just kept growing in the paddock. Off he's going. He's, you know, 12 months old, and, of course, back then we used to dispatch him at 12 months. So I must have been off doing something else. Dad's dispatched um, and and put him in the freezer. I've come home a couple of days later. I think I was off fruit picking, and I've come home a couple of days later and said to my mum, what are we having for dinner? And she said, Meatloaf. And I thought, oh, Okay. I don't mind meatloaf. My mum's meatloaf was pretty good. You know, it was a, it was a good meal. It usually came with a whole bunch of veggies and lovely potatoes. And, and so I'm sitting down and a steak cleans on my plate. And I'm like, oh, we're having meatloaf, mum. Oh. And she said, we are. We're eating meatloaf. Oh. <laughs> and I just sat there going, no, no, you can't do this to me. Oh. Still, like, I'm still only 13. <laughs> I'm so just coming like, out of my vegetarian stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, that is it funny. just we like we joke about it now because yeah, my kids, I, I, any of the buck boys that are born, so any of the male goats, they all get banded. We don't keep entire bucks. I've got a, I've got a purebred buck that cost me a lot of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's the only entire male in the farm. He's the only one yes. allowed. Yes. he's the only one allowed to impregnate anybody so all the other ones get banded and they they will eventually go for meat whether we mm. eat them or whether we sell them for meat they will all go for meat and so the kids have started calling them uh food names right but not not meat names food names so we have coco toast mcflurry <laughs> mcmash <laughs> oh i see i wanted beautiful i let my kids name our chickens and I like I mean a house of boys and um I was like I want little I want lovely little girly names Um, I want like you Agnes like I want you Agnes I want you yeah Henrietta Um, so we um, have Henrietta Henrietta Penelope and we have Maddie McChicken yeah and then then at the time he would have only been 11 and Greg gr-egg Greg But we've got friends who have chickens, yeah, like oh. all sorts of food, all sorts of like. Oh, Did you just... have a chicken with a funny name, Susan? Sorry? Did your friends have a chicken with a funny oh, name? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's like psycho chicken and, you know, frozen chicken. That's right. Sort of just. What a, what what, of our what old, thinking? One of our old Arakanas was called Red Bull. Because she had these amazing bright big eyes that were bright red and it always looked like she'd had too much caffeine. (laughs) She'd get up in the morning and come out and she'd be staring at you and you'd be like, oh, my goodness. Oh, so funny. It is a delight. Um, So what are you doing, I guess, to help people? Um, So you mentioned something about an online course, which I wish I'd known about before. 
<laughs> so, so I've just started um, putting the finishing touches on a backyard chicken keeping course. So it's a six-week course where so it takes great. somebody from um, – takes them through right through everything from deciding whether you're going to go day old chickens or whether you're going to get point of lay chickens um, because not everybody wants to go through the little point, baby point of lay. Yeah. <laughs> point of lay is much easier so but I give everybody options and let them yeah, know you know what very cute. oh and especially if you've got children and you really want the kids to get a grasp on the whole process then mm. having day olds is definitely there's some benefits there uh, but we go through coop design and what kind of coop you would need depending on the size of your yard and how many chickens. We go mm -hmm. through the nutritional requirements because a lot of people, um, some people think chickens eat everything. They don't eat quite everything. They are omnivores, but they don't necessarily eat everything. And there's some things that aren't as good for them as other things. But also too, I mean, one of my customers that I've been working with face-to-face, -face, he came to me one day and said, I, I, my chickens aren't laying. I don't know why they're not laying. They're past point of lay now and they're not laying. I said, what are you feeding them? And he said, oh, I feed them scratch mix. I feed them this, this beautiful, oh, yeah, rich yeah. scratch mix. And I said, you do understand you've got to feed them layer pellets. And he <laughs> went, why? Is that, will they only lay with layer pellets? I said, no, it's more nutritionally dense. Yeah, it's, it's the food they need to get really top quality eggs. I said, the scratch mix is like chicken lollies <laughs> and the layer pellets are like meat and veg and <laughs> fussy. there's only one that they will they'll only get they think it's like that 17 layer yeah thing. that is the only one that they and will they, but they know they know what they need too so yeah. they i mean yeah. don't get me wrong they'll eat scratch mix all day because you know if somebody it's was handling delicious. me red snakes all day i'd probably eat them too but um but the layer pellets are more nutritionally dense. So, so we go through nutrition and then we go through health, which is the real big one. I think a lot of people freak out about what to do if something goes wrong with your chicken. Yeah. Um, nobody wants their chicken. I mean, it, you know, some people some people get it as attached to their chickens as a cat or a dog. Some people mm. don't. But nobody that, that I know that's ever had backyard chickens would want their animal to suffer no. because of their because of their um lack of knowledge. Yeah. So I think that's the health issue is the one that really most people kind of balk at go, oh, no, I get the chickens. idea of egg bound. I'm yeah, because that ever yeah. happened, I'm still a bit worried about and, it. <laughs> and I've got to be honest, I've had three egg bound and I've only saved one. So oh. it's a really tricky situation. It's it, yeah. it's never, there's never a perfect answer, but oh. I feel like with this course I'm able to give people a lot more information so that they're at least going into it a lot more aware of what mm. what they have to consider. Yeah. Um, I think more information is good. Yeah. You know, anytime you get more information about a topic, it's going to be beneficial. Um, sure. And then I throw a few bonuses in at the end because, like I say, not everybody wants to dispatch chickens, but... Um, when I first started on TikTok, one of my first videos on TikTok was a disassembling video. And that's what I call it, wow. disassembling. Um, and my disassembling video went viral. Um, really? um, I ended that's up with over 90,000 views. <laughs> so obviously it was, they, they say that on TikTok and places like that, if you put something controversial, a lot of people will uh, look. Yeah. But, but I actually think people were interested because they had never seen the process and they were like, oh, well, oh, how do you do that? Done. Yeah. And so, so I, and I got lots of comments out of it. I got lots of interaction, lots of people going, oh, my God, like do you, how often do you do this? Have you always got a fridge, freezer full of chickens? You know, yeah. like like yeah. Uh, how much does it cost? That I started getting all those questions. Mm. So um, as part of a bonus on the end of the course, I've got a little um, series of videos that you can choose to watch or not watch depending on your own personal taste because I have got a lot of people that I work with who are um, vegetarian who only want the eggs and, and are never going to dispatch a chicken for, for eating. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That yeah. Oh, when I started, I definitely have not got the poop stuff. You don't know. Well, friends of ours have this little door. It's um, solar powered or, or remote. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Just doop, doop, they yeah. don't have to put out in their gumboots in the rain and in the mud to lock their doors away at night. And, like. and But even people don't realise how little space they need. And it depends on mm. the, the breed. But, I mean, Isa Brown can live in a very small area. So a small yeah. backyard, you can still have two or three. There was, I can't remember where it was. I don't think it was in Australia. I think it was maybe Norway or somewhere where they did a program where they gave yes. two chickens to every yes. registered. And 
um, it was amazing the impact that it had on overall. Like it had because there's other there's other benefits. It was amazing. I'll have to I'll have to try to dig it up and pop in the show notes if I can find it. Um, because it was really fascinating, and I think it really does encourage people to be like, oh, there's like Susan, you'd you'd love this. There was a comment from Joel Salatin. Um, you don't have too many pests. You have not enough predators. Oh. <laughs> and he he that's why he advocates people having chickens because when you've got chickens in your backyard get on the you top don't get, oh yeah the pests yeah. go because they will go and eat them all eat spiders so, yeah yeah so yeah. but you've also got the manure um if you're a gardener yeah. if you're somebody who yeah. wants to, to get a veggie garden going or even just a flower garden going yeah um, we, we clear out the glizzy sugarcane mulch in our nesting yep. box and we yep. just drop straight as mulch on yep. the garden mm, bed yep. Yeah, and not to take um, us on too much of a tangent, but you also do bee things too, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. I'm a, so I'm a beekeeper That's as well. That's the other thing. That's what I want. <laughs> the beehive. Are oh, you impacted by the varroa mite stuff? Uh, no, we've not had You'll any varroa mite here. Yeah, so, so I've got seven hives. A bit on that, right? Uh, yeah. look, it's it. Part of me goes. There's two yeah. parts. We we were trying to control it and stop it oh. coming in, and we failed. We, yeah. it, it got away um, yeah. and it shouldn't have got away. We should have been able to control it. The, you know, the DPI jumped straight onto mm. um, the fact that we had it here and they tried everything they could. They threw everything mm. at it. They unfortunately burned bees, which as a beekeeper is the most horrific oh, thing you can think of. Yeah. But they were trying, they were trying mm. to stamp right. it out before it got, and, and I understand exactly where they're coming from, but I think we got to a point where we, all, all of us beekeepers kind of went, Guys, you can't keep burning bees. Where I think we have to accept the fact that we now have varroa mite yeah, in Australia. Manage it. Yeah, and yeah. and so now we've gone into management mode. And uh, certainly, I've been listening. There's a couple of guys. Um, there's a guy called Ben. Uh, Ben's bees. He he runs a podcast down in Victoria, and he um gets people on from France and New Zealand, where they both have a huge varroa mite population, mm-hmm. and they discuss how they manage it and what oh, kinds right. of things they do to to yeah. keep. The bees healthy, but still try and try and stop them, yeah. or I might getting worse. Yeah, um, and that's we we just have to go into control mode now. It's something I miss about being in Sydney is like just the swapping produce, swapping yeah. eggs for honey for, oh. for like even while I used to give our neighbour um this Linda this beautiful Chinese lady next door I used to just give her like the every second clean out of like the the chook poo and. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I just sort of dropped that over the fence. Um, and then she sent back some dumplings or some things that she was growing <laughs> yeah. on, like radishes and daikons and all sorts of like Chinese greens. She yeah. sent over the fence and it was so it's fun. such a good system. It's like and certainly with my honey, I um I've only really stepped up. I only have one hive for the last four years. And then in the last two years, I've suddenly got an influx of hives given to me oh, where wow. people, I've started going catching swarms for people. When they get a swarm, oh. I go out and catch them. Yeah. We've had a few funny incidents. <laughs> um, <laughs> the handy helper, who is what I refer to my partner as, um, has perhaps dropped a swarm on my head before. So <laughs> yeah, we've had a few <laughs> few interesting moments catching swarms. Oh, and mind you, he's also had a swarm land on his head as well. So, yeah. <laughs> It happens. It's part of beekeeping, but not without its um, perils. Uh, yes, yes, and and I had my first ever bad sting only oh two months ago, three months ago. I got stung just a random sting out in the yard. Didn't like was out near the hive and got stung. I wasn't actually doing anything with the hive. I got stung just hanging clothes out on the washing, and I don't have a beehive. Yeah, so and it, look, it happens. <laughs> and normally, I get stung, and I get a little mark on my hand and two hours later I can't even tell you where I got stung. Like I really don't mm-hmm. react. Uh, but this time I ended up with cellulitis. <laughs> wow. And I didn't know it was cellulitis. I actually had a doctor's appointment for something else. Like, and oh, I sat down and he looked at my arm and he said, Cass, what's wrong with your arm? Oh, <laughs> said, um, just as well, I was, yeah. I got stung by a bee the other day, but I said it just, it went funny. It's kind of gone a bit hard. <laughs> he felt my arm and he went, oh, I guess that's cellulitis. Tracking up your arm. <laughs> oh, smoothing no. up my arm. And, yeah. and I was just like, oh, really? Way, oh, so. do, do I need to do anything for that? And he's like, yes, uh-huh. major yeah. antibiotics. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Oh, dear. But, so yeah, so I'm, I'm a I've got seven hives now. 
Ooh. So and they and they're absolutely having a gun season this year. So I am looking amazing for you, all of your projects, oh. aren't they? Oh, it's, honestly, I am a terrible gardener. That's I joke and say that's why I grow animals because I'm a terrible gardener. I love gardening, but I'm not good at it. I'm a brown thumb. <laughs> so, but the year that I got my bees, I had I literally was out. I had squash plants and they wouldn't fertilize. I couldn't get them to to fruit. And I was out there with a cotton bud, oh. mum's advice, dabbing one flower that looked like a male flower and dabbing a female flower and, and trying to cross-pollinate somehow. Bam, bam. Oh, <laughs> man, they do it so much better than we do. <laughs> I got my hive and within two weeks of getting the hive, um, my, the handy helper came out and said to me, oh, my God, have a look at the garden. I went out there to water it, go and have a look. And I went out and there was zucchinis and squash and tomatoes and eggplant. Everything had just gone insane. So we sat back and went, wow, bees work. Get some bees. Yes. And chatting on forever and we are holding on. I know. Which is my, fine. So I love it. I love get food and produce all day. Well, that's um, one of the things I'm going to do after the chicken course is hopefully get into a beekeeping course where oh, I can try and get people to have a beehive in their backyard. Because, again, like chickens, it's something you could have in your backyard. It'll make the world of difference. And and the honey is just the added bonus, you oh, know. so good. So yeah. Good. All right, yeah. so our last question we always ask people Um and I think I've got a bit of a clue about this from your bio. Yes. Um, what is your hope for the future around, like, homesteading or small farming and people growing their own produce? So I joke about the fact that, you know, when you look at kids, um, what they put down for what they want to be when they grow up, and certainly my son has changed his mind 15 times in mm-hmm. 11 years, um, but I never see kids put down farmer that they don't want to, nobody nobody kind of aspires to be a farmer when they grow up. And I really wish that, I think, and I think a lot of people, once they understand what the benefit is of farming, like the benefit that I get from looking after my animals and raising my animals and seeing them grow from, you know, a little baby up to a fully grown animal, uh, but also things like doing my bees and doing my garden and watching that grow. I really wish that people would go, wow, farming is actually something I could do as a job Mm. and that farmers would then go on to get paid what the produce is worth so that it becomes a job that people aspire to, not just because of the benefits socially, like mentally Mm. for you of doing that kind of work, but also that you're financially benefited from it as well and that you're not going, oh, I want to be a doctor because doctors get paid a fortune, but I want to be a farmer because I get all these beautiful mental health benefits of being yeah. out in the paddock and being out with my animals and on top of it I'm earning a wage that it makes it very comfortable for me to live yeah yeah, yeah. so one day one day one day, one day. I mean yeah. I think we have some friends who live out in Kunibaruan and mm-hmm. I think having grown up for their kids growing up out that way there are more kids out there who want to be farmers because they've seen it yeah. and they've yeah. they have experience that so I guess by bringing yeah. it a little bit more to sort of urban areas or yeah. gardens, yes. and, and you can do it you can do it in a small space you don't need to do it on a thousand acre farm you mm. can do it on five acres you could do it on an acre if you had an acre size block you could absolutely have a beehive a chicken coop on an acre you could have two milking goats you really could you really could have like a little mini farm on an acre Amazing. And it, yeah. So it was so lovely to talk to you. Um, where can people find you? Okay. So um my podcast is probably the easiest to to catch up with what I'm doing day to day. So my podcast is called Not the Farmer's Wife. Um, because I'm, I'm <laughs> not the farmer's <laughs> wife. <laughs> I am the farmer. farmer. We we laughed about it when we were working out a name for it. I said sat down with my kids and and my daughter's very She's as far as she's concerned, she's going to be a rugby union player, like a professional rugby union player when she's older. So my kids don't understand the concept of um, female roles and male roles. Right. <laughs> my day, my my day job is law enforcement, so they really don't understand that concept yeah, of yeah. a male role, a female role. Um, so um, when I sat down with them, I said, "What am I going to call this podcast?" And my son said, "Well, you're the farmer, so just say something about the farmer." I said, "Well, women." Yeah, farmers are generally considered to be male. And he's like, why? 
Why, why are they? Oh, and I said, but that's just Sorry, the way it's always been. He said, well, what's what's the female name? Like a like an actress and an actor. Well, what's, the, what's the female <laughs> name? Yeah. So we um, were going through. We actually went through Google and we're going. What do you call female farmer? And there was no name for a female uh, farmer. In yeah. France, they are referred to as farmerettes. Oh, really? The, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the only country that we could find where they have a differentiation uh, between male or female. So not the farmer's wife. And uh, and the uh, handy helper, laugh, he laughs about it because he didn't grow up on a farm. He grew up in Cronulla. So <laughs> he laughs and goes, yeah, this is all new to me. <laughs> um, so not the farmer's wife is my podcast. Um, and I put a podcast out every Monday morning. So that's you can catch me there. But also to um, www.mojohomestead.net. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a, a couple of freebies there. I've got a free ca- freebie on beekeeping if you're interested in beekeeping in your backyard. And there's also a freebie that is the seven must-knows of what you need to consider before you get backyard chickens, just to get people started thinking about it. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much again. You'll be seeing Meg's name on that. (laughs) I send out a newsletter once a week and I try and update people with things that like, might be like like Varroa might, you know, things like that. I try and update people with with what's happening in the industries so that oh. they can kind of keep on the on the front of it. Sounds great. Well, thanks again. And um oh, thank you guys. We'll definitely see you around you will and it's been awesome chatting to you thank you so much for having me Love it.